if the teacher were to rent a thousand square foot apartment, yeah, and and the only thing we could provide was the fact that that teacher did not have to pay property taxes on that apartment, and there are ways to finance this to where that can be the case. That's three thousand dollars a year for that teacher. That goes a long way. Hello, everybody. This is Aaron Silva. Welcome to our special edition of the Eans Parents Unite podcast, our candidate series, where we are meeting with each candidate for board of trustees at EISD one-on-one and hearing from them exactly how they feel about a multitude of issues and what they're willing to talk about to get your vote. This year, there are a total of five candidates running for two open places number six, and place number seven. Ellen Balthazar and Heather Sheffield are defending their incumbent seats from Jay Lamey, David Borutia, and Jim Withers. Beginning over a month ago, we invited all of the candidates to the podcast with the understanding that we would be completely fair and above board, that we would discuss the same topics with each of them, and perhaps asking the questions in a slightly different way based on their candidacy. The topics we proposed to them were the budget, the DEI policy, a library books, and last but not least, we wanted to make sure each candidate had an opportunity in their own words to pitch as to why they deserved your vote for Board of Trustee this year. Each of them were offered full editorial control over their episode, allowed to hear their episode in advance, and at their option, make edits or re-record anything on the podcast. I actually met with each candidate in advance for about two hours to get to know them because I had never really met any of them or knew any of them before uh, the podcast. Uh, And in this meeting, I got a chance to uh, understand them a little better so that way I could tailor the questions around their individual strengths with the idea of making their episode a win for them and a win for the community. Every candidate was eager to accept the invitation to come on the podcast except for Heather Sheffield. She decided not to record a podcast, but her opponent, Jim Withers, did. We also have an upcoming Public Square Forum that we are hosting on the evening of April 20th at Riverbend Church. I will moderate this discussion, and it will also be a live broadcast that anyone can see and hear on the Internet. We have cordially invited all of the candidates to attend, and all of them have accepted again, except for Mrs. Sheffield. I think we have made a tremendous amount of progress uh, interviewing each of our candidates, and I know you will find each of them to be interesting on their own. I know the episodes may run a little long, but I highly encourage you to listen to every single minute of what they have to say. We are truly fortunate to have such wonderful parents willing to run for Board of Trustees of EISD. I hope you enjoy this episode. On this episode today, we have the distinct honor and pleasure of having Jay Lamey here with us today to talk about his candidacy for place number seven against the longtime incumbent Ellen Balthazar, right? Yes, sir. Hi, Jay. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, We're going to cover a lot of topics today uh, for our listeners. We're going to discuss, get to know you a little bit 
spend some time on um, the issues around staff retention. Of course, we'll talk about uh, the hot topics du jour, DEI, library books. We'll get into the budgets. We'll um, try to understand what you're bringing to the table as a candidate. And by the end of the um, uh, interview, uh, folks will have a better idea of uh, whether or not to vote for you. And as a special bonus, you're going to sing for us at the very end of the the episode. Absolutely. (laughs) It might not be great, but I'm still going to do it. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll, uh, we encourage all the candidates to bring their talents, good or not. doesn't matter. As long as you you bring them here, it'll be there for all recorded history. Perfect. Because once we post it. We can't delete it. Yeah. I, I think God has asked me to actually have some humility. So if it's out there for all recorded history, then that's probably just something to remind me to stay humble. Okay. Well, tell us, um, for those folks that don't know you, tell us a little bit about you, your family, you know, where you're from, background. You know, we don't need a full resume, obviously. Um, maybe get into a little bit of your business experience. Sure. Sure. So... I actually grew up here in Austin. Um, I went to Cedar Creek Elementary School. I was I was part of the first class to go to Valley View, Valley View Elementary School in fifth grade. Then I went to Hill Country Middle School. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been uh, so this was back in 1980. Uh, so I've I've been in the the school district all the way s- since back then. Um, ultimately my parents w- wanted me to go to St. Stephen's. And uh-huh. so, so my brother who is younger than, uh, who is two years younger, he actually went to the, the Eanes. He went to Valley View, Forest mm-hmm. Trail, mm. West Ridge Middle School. He hit them all. Uh, he hit, he hit them all. He <laughs> hit them all. And, and he convinced my parents after going to St. Stephen's for one year that he was supposed to go to Westlake. <laughs> so, so he graduated from Westlake. I graduated from, graduated from St. Stephen's. And unfortunately I got to sit on the, uh, on the sidelines of the 1990 Westlake first, uh, state championship football game wow. uh, that Westlake was involved in. My brother was a, starting as a sophomore on the varsity, wow. um, but I got to sit there and watch it on the sidelines. So, wow. Must have been um, uh, crazy for your parents to drive both of you to do di- two different campuses all the time. Ab- uh, oh, absolutely, <laughs> it was. It was still dirt uh, roads back then. Yeah, the, uh, twenty two twenty two and six twenty and B Cave Road were all two lane highways. Oh, at that two two lanes on both sides. They were extremely scary to drive along. No stoplights. No stoplights. Oh, that must have been no a dream. stoplights. It was crazy. So windy, um, you felt like you were going to run off the road any moment. Oh, gotcha. So. And then you, um, I understand you went on to go to Rice. Yes. And you were a, you were a walk-on so, so, uh, sports athlete. So I walked on, I walked on to Rice uh, to play football. So technically, you know, I was told that when I went to Rice, I, t- I was told that I was not good enough to play uh, football. So I got a, I was a walk-on, but I was also not smart enough to get in through my own merit. So the football team helped me get into the school. So I was a preferred walk-on and um that's a classification that was a classification a preferred it's a, walk-on yeah that's your academic so it, they call ticket. them today a p p w o so hmm. preferred walk-on cool. so i was a preferred walk-on at the time and um and i would i was literally probably one of the uh, one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of rice that never actually saw the field as a quarterback um um after practice after dummy uh, i was i was a practice dummy <laughs> i i i, I was a number of times i thought i was going to quit 
quit playing. And then finally I decided, you know what, I'm going to move to go play safety. Uh And, you know, by the time I was done, um, I was, uh, you know, I I was a first team academic uh, All-American, which means which means at Rice, you know, you are able to calculate how bad the other team is running the running up the score on you as you run down the field. <laughs> like I can calculate it a little bit faster than the other people. <laughs> and you have so, uh, so you, you're you're here. You have a family, children yes, in the system, a yeah, wife. Yes. So I have I have a 17 year old son who is a sophomore at Westlake, uh-huh. and then I have a 10 year old daughter who is a fourth grader at Bridgepoint Elementary, and uh-huh. a seven seven year old kindergartner. And we held her back. We held her back during the year of COVID. Um, well, everyone got held yes. back. Yes. So everyone, whether, whether yeah, you did it whether, or the school yeah, system did it, we, we we figured she was going to get held back whether she went to school or not. So we may as well just enjoy her she while a, we we're at she home. She had a great year of like her Xbox scores are off the charts now. Yeah, if she plays Xbox, that's right. Gotcha. And um, uh, married, you have a beautiful wife. Absolutely, mm-hmm. beautiful wife who is she is absolutely fantastic. She was she was one of the ones that basically told me that um, that I was going to run. For school board you, and you do what your wife tells you to do i i do it uh not all the time not all the time but be careful but, mine's listening yeah. I, don't, I don't want the word getting out that we're supposed to do that <laughs> yeah there, there there are times where i have like my certain little little uh, oasis times yeah uh so yes she gives me some time off oh that's good that's good well we're um we're certainly uh uh, happy you're interested. I'm going to ask you why you want to be a trustee, but before that, give us a little of your uh, business experience. Sure. What are you doing more? Or what are you doing now? What have you done previously to get you here? Right. So, so after I graduated from college, I wanted to get into. I did. I did five different internships while I was in college to really get an understanding for what I would want to do later on in life. Burger King. Bur- yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm, if I could go <laughs> sit behind there and eat hamburgers all day, that would have been great. But uh, so I, I ultimately wanted to go uh, go to New York. I want to go get a different experience, get out of Texas. So I went to New York. I uh-huh. went into investment banking and was uh-huh. working with Oppenheimer, ultimately was purchased by CIBC, mm. doing mergers and acquisitions and IPOs and secondary offerings and stuff like that. So I was yeah. a grunt analyst working, you know, 80 to 100 hours a week mm-hmm. and um, paying, your dues. And paying my dues. It was a great experience. I had a whole lot of fun, brought a little Texas and a little Texas flair up to New York. Mm-hmm. So they enjoyed it. But then um, ended up going to Boston and worked for a private equity firm for a year and ultimately came back to Austin, worked with um, worked with Trilogy and um, PC Order um, and realized that, you know, that was at a time in two, like 1999, 2000, when a lot of people wanted to get into the, it was the dot-com, dot-com. era. Yeah. And I realized, you know, that, that um, I can talk a little bit about that later, but I realized ultimately my pathway was real estate. My father had been uh, doing real estate um, and he really enjoyed it. And I thought at some level, I thought, oh my God, I failed. I've gone into real estate, oh, done what God, my dad I'm doing did. My dad I'm does. doing what uh, my dad does. So, but I <laughs> I re- what I found was I really enjoyed it. I went to work with the Staubach company, which is Roger Staubach's huh. commercial real estate firm. Gotcha. Uh, was there in Dallas for a year, and then and then came down to Austin and uh, was part of the opening of the office in Austin, mm-hmm. um, and had a great experience there. Like uh, absolutely fantastic company, um, and was there for seven years, and then ultimately started Aquila Commercial. 
um, 15 years ago in January of 2007. So commercial real estate, commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. Usually when I start something new like that, that it, it could be a harbinger for a, um, for a down market. Um, mm -hmm. because, uh, when I started uh, at Staubach, it was two, it was 2000. Yeah. So then we had the dot com, .com bus and then we started Aquila and that was when the credit bus basically, you know, the credit bus came right after that. So, so anyway, I, I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll let you know that uh, if I do, so that you can short all your stocks. Uh, so, do, but does that mean you wanting to get involved as a trustee is also going to be a harbinger or oh. indicator for something bad happening? Oh well, it maybe maybe <laughs> if I do get involved as a trustee, maybe you should short take some short position somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, <know>. why? why? <laughs> I certainly don't want to hurt the market, but I will say that increasing interest rates and inflation certainly is it, things feel like they could be going in a in a direction where that actually might be might, might, might be the might, case. Might, yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, why why did you uh, other than your wife uh, strongly encouraging you encouraging right. you to run as a trustee? Um, you're certainly a man of your own mind. Why do you want to do this? Why a trustee? Why now? Right. So. I think now is, for me, is probably the perfect time because I do have, I do have a passion for education. And when it comes to where my kids are at Eanes, I have two elementary school kids mm -hmm. and a high schooler. Um, he's going to be out. He's going to be a senior in two years. And in two years, I will have, I will have one in elementary, one in middle, and one in high school. Mm. And I see some of the things that are going on in the district, and I think that there's an opportunity for me and the skill set that I have to come in and help them out um, uh, with, with the issues that they have. I think that the pandemic also uh, created maybe a little bit of a divide in our community, and there's an opportunity there, too, because I'm usually somebody – that you, I like to bring people together. Yeah. And it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. Like no, you're very uh, affable, no you, question about it. Usually, I mm -hmm. like to bring humor. Can usually bring bring people together, and mm -hmm. I guess I learned some of that from my from my father. But um, but yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that I'm affable. You are affable. <laughs> Absolutely, you are. So, um, so we have uh, we have a lot going on right now, right? Um, which is a big motivator about why you're deciding to be a trustee and the timing is right for you to help come solve some of these issues you believe. And so we want to um, we're go through a few of these and get your ideas uh, so hopefully voters out there can make a decision about you or um, Mrs. Balthazar or uh, the other candidate, uh, David uh, Brutia. A big issue uh, on top of the administration's mind and all of our minds as parents is the teacher's. Absolutely. Uh, we know that we have a um, an attrition rate that's too high. Statistically, it appears to be around 10%, which is, uh, by Dr. Arnett um, measurement, about um, a little bit below the Texas average and about half of what it is countrywide. And that's pretty amazing. We have 20% attrition rate. Could you imagine running a business on one out of five people leaving every year? That's I mean, correct. Yeah, that would be crazy. That would be crazy. So 10% is a problem, no question about it. And uh, I see in your candidacy, when I look at your plank and your website, you talk a lot about the teachers, and you have this uh, measurement about uh, you believe that two-thirds of all teachers uh, by survey in our district plan to leave in the next 36 months. 
that is pretty scary if it's true. If it's half true, yeah, it's it's really scary. So um, tell us about your understanding on the, the issue of attrition, what you would help us do about it so that we can continue to have these great teachers here in our school district. Sure. Well, I'd say the first thing is some of it, I'm parroting what Dr. Leonard has said that two-thirds of our faculty, now this is a national survey, that two-thirds of faculty are looking to go in a, into a different direction gotcha. from teaching over the next 36 months. That, But this is a, so this is more of a national, okay. cri, national tidal wave sort of crisis that is looming over us. Okay. It is, it it's is. an American problem. It is an, Amer, it is an American problem. Mm-hmm. However, However, that said, we are not insulated from that problem here at Eanes. We do have a number of good schools. My brother is on the school board at St. Gabriel's, Mm -hmm. and he actually has... He has acknowledged that this statistic is an alarming statistic and that we are going to have to, if you can say, reimagine the way in which we are going to help our teachers not only not only um, not only um, recruit them, mm-hmm. but also retain them. So mm-hmm. if if one of the schools at an elementary school level in our district is talking about increasing the the salaries for those teachers in order to get them to stay into the into the St. Gabriel's school system. Mm-hmm. You know that is going to that is going to have some effect yeah, on what a, we do here in yeah. Eanes. Well, and we have competition. We have from competition. The schools and Travis and Drip and and uh, they're they can take teachers from us because they're paying more. They're they're paying more, and mm-hmm. uh, and and there is such a thing as supply and demand, yeah. and eventually, it 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 might end up winning out, especially. You know, when you have inflation doing what it's doing right now, mm. the t- and clobbering people. and it's it's really clobbering people. You have people moving into Austin in a big way, and so home prices are going up significantly, which is causing a lot of teachers to have to move further and further away from the district. The further, at some point in time. There is going to be a point where they cannot, they can bend only so far because they like, it's just too far. It's too far and not enough money. So if you say too far and not enough money, yet the teachers want to teach at Eanes and Eanes is a a great community. But if they want to teach at Eanes, but they simply can't because they can't afford it and they, and the travel travel cost and distance is too far, then that's a problem that we're going to be facing in Eanes. So what are we going to do about it? So that's think, why we're going to we want to elect you, right? So ab- what are you going to do if you're elected? Absolutely. So we're going to need to pay we are going to need in not only in the uh short term, we're going to need or uh, think about this problem from a short term and a long term um on a long term basis. Okay. So uh, there are a few things. One, I mentioned that we need to pay them more, and I think we're going to need to find creative ways in which to pay them more. Sometimes we hear about, we hear complaints about, well, Robin Hood takes all of Robin Hood takes all of our yeah, money. But that's statutory. There's I mean, nothing it's, you can do about it's it. statutory. The thing is, is we can continue to complain about the things that the state is going to do, but we can't control that. We. The school board is there 
to help control the things that we can control. Mm -hmm. And so we need to understand that that is not going to change and we can't keep complaining about it. Mm -hmm. So we actually have to do something with regard to paying our teachers more. We also need to really start thinking about um, uh, how we can get the teachers closer to the schools in which they're teaching. So how mm-hmm. can we get them closer to Eanes? Closer so physically. Closer physically mm-hmm. into Eanes. We cannot, we cannot hire every single former teacher who is now a parent and ask them, hey, will you come up and step up? I do think parents can, can step up and actually the parents in the Eanes School District, the reason why our school district is so amazing is that we have a lot of absolutely fantastic parents mm-hmm. who can possibly step up and do some things. So when I talk about reimagining how we can do things, parents can step up, but the teachers themselves, we need to do something to help them out. And I think, I think there are there are a yeah, few but, things that we can do. Uh, what? Give me a couple ideas. So, Long, so on the long term. So on the short term, we have to find reprioritize our budget somewhere. I'm I'm not gonna I, I'm gonna use a word. Um, you know, austerity. Like yes. We have to we have to make sacrifices right. inside the budget uh, to to get those teachers to stay. I don't know what that it is, and and that's not your word. That's my word. Right. Um, but then on the long term, this is kind of the reimagining. What are the couple ideas you can just share with us that you're thinking about our long term fixes? Sure. Well, this 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 goes into what I've been doing a lot for the last uh, 20 something years in real estate is figuring out with the facilities and the footprint that we have at Eanes, how we can utilize all, all of our facilities in the most efficient way possible. And one of those things might be actually having a discussion about how to get potentially some housing for teachers and for other members of the community that maybe can could not otherwise afford it but there hmm. are there are certain tax exempt type solutions hmm. as a, that where you can look at those things so for example mm-hmm. if the if the teacher were to rent a thousand square foot apartment yeah and and the only thing we could provide was the fact that that teacher did not have to pay property taxes on that apartment. And there are ways to finance this mm-hmm. to where that can be the case. That's $3,000 a year for that teacher. That goes a long, that goes a long way. That's an after tax number that basically that, that, that can help them. And that's just from the property tax, notwithstanding mm-hmm. potential. And that's assuming, that's assuming, um, we have we have um, uh, uh, investment investors, typical standard investors, without investors taking a discount on their on their um, uh, on their returns that they put into the deal. You don't hmm. even have to raise bond proceeds for that to Just necessarily happen. Money. You can do it with private. You because, can because an investor absolutely. is going to carry the appreciation, exactly. take a discount on yeah. their cash on cash uh, returns. Yes. In exchange, the there's property tax relief for the owner, the teacher. For the they teacher. They live in the community. They live they live in the community. They don't have to drive as far from the community. So so we have a number of facilities. We are underutilizing our elementary schools mm-hmm. um, at a at a pretty good level. Mm-hmm. And with the not only are we underutilizing from the them from a capacity standpoint, mm-hmm. but 
We are you mean the property themselves. The properties themselves. The pro- so the, yeah, the, I mean the size of the property. Yeah, the size of the property. We have. So you're you're thinking developing properties that the district already owns. Potentially, yes. I mean, it Why is not? it is something that we definitely need to look yeah. into. It, it, and, yeah, it, and, it is. It's creative. It is. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not here when it comes to the board. I'm not here to come bring. I'm not I am not the dot the I and cross the T person. Yeah. OK, I am. And so if if that and I think that the board currently has a lot of dot the I cross the T per, mm, for people, sure. which actually makes it which it, at some level makes it a great team if I if you insert me into the team because because I'm a big thinker, I'm a big problem solver. Yeah. And and those people who like to dot the I's and cross the T's, guess what? I can be the quarterback. They can be my linemen. Like yeah. we can go out and we can go win a few state championships together. Yeah. And there's <laughs> there's certainly a, a few people on the board that these concepts would be beyond their capability to understand. Yeah, and that's nothing that's no shot against anyone on the board. This is not their expertise. No, it's just yeah. not their expertise. Yeah. This is not something I that barely they... I barely understand what I just repeated back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not too far off. Don't let me fool people. I'm not that bright myself. Well every once in a while you could possibly help me do some interpretation. A lot of times things <laughs> joggle around in my brain and I do sometimes need, need an interpreter. Translator. I need a translator okay. sometimes. So. All right. Well if you get in, if you get in, give me a call. <laughs> okay. Um, so your uh, so the long term goal, the creative ideas, uh, which is effectively monetizing our facilities. It is monetizing, or, yes, or, or leveraging them for other purposes, yes. uh, living density purposes, taking care of our own, these types of things. That, Very interesting. That, that's exactly right. And and I've and I've done some of this already before. Even working can be with done. It, it can plausible. be done. It's, it's plausible. plausible. It's plausible. Yeah, that's important. Uh, I also um, in talking to you. At uh, our meeting, you brought up the concept of endowment. Yes. Uh, tell me where an endowment plays, if if at all, as yeah, a, as a as a possible solution or partial solution. So endowment really comes more into the longer term solution. Um, we we do not have a crystal ball on what is going to happen, you know, and how the state legislature is going to change the way in which education is funded whether we have to continue to give to to the uh, to the Robin Hood plan yeah. so I mean so far for the last 30 something years that's been the status quo so I think that the with the data that we have right now we need to assume that that will continue and and um, and notwithstanding the fact that yeah we can go send lobbyists up there and get, they can go and do all the things they yeah. can do and yeah. influence and so not to take anything away from that but but what an endowment does is it gives you freedom. Mm-hmm. And so it gives you freedom ultimately to to ultimately pay for the teachers, pay the best teachers mm-hmm. for teaching our kids cuz ultimately we want we want our kids to we want we want to uh, the parents are already searching to discover our kids' talents and passions. Mm-hmm. So in addition to getting good grades and, 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 and uh, achieving excellence, w- the parents are already looking f- to find out, okay, where, are, where is our child going to spend potentially the rest of their life or how can I guide them down the right pathway? We need, we need the teacher's help in that. But in order to get the teacher's help in that and potentially pay for these teachers in the future, we, if we start thinking about an endowment, then, then the way that something like that would work is 
let's say we were able to go get a hundred million dollar endowment. Mm-hmm. Okay, a hundred million dollars, and you invest that conservatively at three percent. Okay, now now Eans might tell me that's actually too aggressive, but um, uh, you know, um, but, but an endowment can but, operate for its own purposes. But an, and it is not is not constrained by the normal. Uh, policies around investment of corpus exactly like, like the school is constrained exactly yeah. well if you invested at three percent that's three million dollars a year that's more and, than we get from EEF every year that's more than we get from EEF every year mm-hmm. and so we have people in our community that that not only do they do they have the means to potentially help contribute to this endowment and build it up quickly. And I'm not saying we're going to hit a hundred million by the time, if I'm on the board and in three years, we're not going to hit a, I mean, I hope we could hit a hundred million, but, but I'm not saying that we let's start it. Let's start at 10 and move up from there. But as we do that, as, as, as we do, we can identify those people and not only identifying them for their capacity to do it or, but also, again, their talent to do it, but also their passion to do it because they are ex- because a lot of these folks are excited about education. They mm-hmm. know that education is what got them to where they are. Yeah. And education is what ultimately lifts those of us who those of us who may maybe been disenfranchised all of our lives. That's what gets them on the road yeah. to like American greatness, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I feel as a parent, uh, you can acknowledge the great work that EEF does. Oh, and has absolutely, done forever. Uh, but it does seem to get a bit rote, where every year. Here they come, you know. What is it? Three, four, five, six thousand dollars ahead. Yes. And you know, you're writing your huge tax bill out, and you get it, but that that rinse and repeat activity uh, year after year is a bit draining, and uh, an endowment smooths that out. And so that when you when a, an organization like EEF is raising money on an annual basis. They're not doing it to make sure we survive with teachers. They're doing it for other things. Um, you know, they can apply it toward a project. Also, with an endowment, you get the benefit of um, capital. Uh, you can make capital improvements, significant cap. You can lever that money Absolutely. up. Absolutely. You can lever that money up. I mean, $100 million, you can lever that up eight, ten times, you know. So uh, then you start getting into real uh, long-term solutions. Yeah. I'm a big proponent for the idea of it. That, that's wh- that's where you can take Eans in, in, you know, always looking at, always looking at, you know, where do we stand in some of the rankings as far as excellence and how important that is. So that's, so let's say, let's say that's one thing, but number two is education. Education has, when I was on the Rice um, University uh, um, a regional board, um, which was an initiative for students, we talked a lot about how from 1985 to 2015, there was a drastic shift in education and the way that education, uh, the, the, the value of education, specifically in the classroom. Yeah. In 1985, the value was, I mean, they had this circled chart and it was 60, said 65% of it is in the classroom. Well, now they're saying, well, you know, it's really like 10% of it. So that's in the classroom and you're getting internships, externships, shadowing people. There are so many 
um, opportunities that I think are going to present themselves, especially here, that are going to trickle down into high school and middle school. Yeah. Um, and it already has. And so we need to be, uh, uh, I think Eans is, is, is in a position to where we can address all of those needs for all of our kids. Yeah, agreed. Um, let's uh, shift gears a little bit and get into communication. Sure. Uh, a big thing on, on all of our minds as parents is communication or the lack thereof communication, uh, especially over the last two years, maybe three three years, there's been a lot of questions on transparency on what the district is doing, um, clarity of what it is, why it is they're doing what it is they're doing once you find out what they're doing. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of two-way dialogue for a long time, which is one of the reasons I, you know, came up with the, uh, you know, idea of this podcast is no one's talking to each other like this in a civil, respectful way about these issues. Um, so, you know, in your opinion, um, seeing all this, you know, what what went wrong? When did it go wrong? Uh, you know, and. You know, are there any examples of what you would try to influence how things would be done differently if you had uh, a seat on the board? Sure. So um, I think while some of this has been a um, a progression over the last uh, over the last five years where there was a huge spike was at the where there was a huge spike was at the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. So in the pandemic, you know, you have, you know, everyone staying at home, they're watching a lot of, they're watching a lot of news and they're, and they're getting different perspectives and then people start getting divided um, and strangely getting divided over political lines on a virus that doesn't actually a virus that doesn't actually know whether it, the virus doesn't know whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, a libertarian, a Marxist, a fascist or whatever. The virus is just the virus. Mm-hmm. So I think that what it and what fear brings is fear. Fear brings um, the a lot of negative energy. And I think that I, I, I honestly think that the the pandemic created such a harmful divide, not only with the number of of lives that it killed, um, but also with with the number of relationships that it destroyed mm-hmm. among people. Mm-hmm. And I think so. I think in a large part, um, that was where we as a community started to really get um, divisive. Mm-hmm. And so think about the idea as a, as human beings, we are iso- we're all isolating mm-hmm. and we're isolating and we're not meant as humans to be isolated. No, we're so we fraternal. are, I mean, the, 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 the yes, mm-hmm. the root of the word communication come means, I mean, together. community come mm-hmm. together it, it 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 all we'll sing later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Don't sing yet. <laughs> okay. But you know, I I I think that that that's where I would go to the. That's where I would go to start. That's where it started to go wrong, um, and then the isolation mm-hmm. is is the next place, and then. You even have uh, you even have, you know, when the kids when the kids especially feel isolated, um, especially the little ones, um, you know, I think that that's where for those little for the littlest of the kids, uh, 
wearing wearing masks was very yeah. isolating for them. They mm-hmm. could, I mean, it, it statistically came out in the fact that a lot of kids, like little toddlers, you basically you you try to see where they were, you know, um, eighteen months later in their speech, and we have all certain speech. Problems, problems because yeah. when they're actually looking and communicating with somebody yeah, they're reading, they're look, lips, they're reading sure. their lips yeah yeah there's some things you are irrefutable yeah so are you are you implying that you know the pandemic pandemic happened to us uh, yes but in the in the context of the question about what went wrong in the communication were there things that as a parent you saw the school that they they shouldn't have done during that era um, that you know, looking back on now, if if you could Monday morning quarterback, uh, you you observed. Yeah, so I mean, it's really easy to Monday morning quarterback, yeah. and so I, we we got to we do have to give a little bit of grace. However, mm-hmm. however, there was a, there there were a number of things where there was just a, a a lack of transparency, or there was false information that was getting sent out there, yeah. and. And 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 it was and it was information that in some cases information that was sent out that was completely untrue and caused a divide among among the community. And so and some of that was unfortunately some of that whether it was whether it was even if it was not generated by the current board, yeah. it it was not stopped not and there it was not, not condemned yeah. it was not put down and and you can do it in such a way that you say hey look you know we're all trying to do our best here yeah. let's come together on this yeah. again uh, uh again communi- let's let's communicate let's be transparent but but some of the lack of transparency and then and then when you're isolated you start thinking whether it's true or not let's just say it's not true Let, yeah. but you're isolate you're isolating an entire community from one another and they're going to start thinking they're going to yeah. start thinking the worst if you don't communicate yeah yeah it's a uh, it's one of those um uh, things in in leadership where the absence of communication or the presence of silence is much worse uh, than even communicating. <laughs> not necessarily. Sometimes you know I, I I'm in a consulting practice and right. I tell my consultants when there's nothing to tell our customers, you call them and you tell them I've Absolutely. got nothing to tell you. Absolutely. You never let them stew in silence. That will breed everything wrong. Absolutely, and and I think that's I, I can agree with you on that. There was too much silence on too many things, and too much attention on things that didn't need attention. And here we are. But let's go forward. Yeah. You're, okay, you yeah. go forward. And thank you for indulging me to look back a little bit. So, what are you going to do about the communications going forward? You know, if you're in there influencing, you know, one member of the uh, board of trustees, what are you going to do to influence better communication? Right. So there are certain things that when you get onto a board and certain things that I certainly don't know yet because I haven't been on the school board at Eanes. But having been on the school board at St. Gabriel's and on other boards, there is an element of discretion that you have to have um, at at times. And so certainly you have to be respectful of the discretion. However, the message that gets sent out does not have to be a one-sided message when it is sent out. You understand that if there is for, so for instance, if there is a, if there is a divide in the community, you have to let, and, and you know that you are not going to say rule in favor of 
say half the say the community is divided and half of the community is going to be saddened to hear the information that you're going to have and the other half of the community is going to be elated what you what the, the way the message is delivered is to acknowledge to half of the community the disappointment, that, the disappointment you know. that that they are possibly feeling and you need to you need to at least if you can't empathize, you need to sympathize with them and let mm -hmm. them know, let them know we're sorry. We cannot make that. We cannot yet make this decision for you. However, you need to let them know that you are still continuing to look at things and not just do it from a lip service. It needs yeah. to be authentic. The platitudes. Right? And, the platitudes, yeah. you know, that that ain't going to hunt. Yeah. That dog won't hunt. So yeah. you, you, you and then and then for for those who for those who are on the other side, let them know that, like there's no reason to go around and boasting and yeah. and, and, and uh, um uh, and and let them know they need to actually show some grace to their to their fellow parents. Yeah. So so I mean ultimately, if we want to come together as a community, like our parents, our parents, even if they're divided on an issue, we need to actually get them to see. We need to get them to focus on commonalities. Yeah. So you brought up uh, a moment ago your inexperience in being on a school board like this and that's not remarkable until you do it <laughs> right. you don't have experience right but i think voters would be interested in knowing uh you know how do you are there mistakes that you've made in your private career and experience that you learn from such that you can bring that into a public institution like this and translate it into why we want you to be one of our leaders. You have any examples? You know, I really don't. And I sing, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble because I'm perfect. Make, enough. Don't. I don't just don't, I don't make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, knew it. All right. Next you know, question. No, you know, it's like Ricky Bobby, you know, I'm the best there is. <laughs> I mean, no one can hang with my stuff. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, the, the, uh, <laughs> um, when I came back from Boston and I went to go work with Trilogy and mm -hmm. I was there for three months yeah. and I and I had a I had a feeling that this that this might be the case when uh, when I came when I came to work with them after doing my five internships that I mentioned. And yeah. so a part of the doing the five internships was actually to get an understanding of what the things, what things was, was I good at? What things were I good at? And what things were, were did I stink at? Yeah. And so one of the things that I realized that I kind of stunk at, there was the, I, I liked least my internship at McKinsey and company. Mm -hmm. And I realized it was not only did I not really feel that much passion about it, but I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily that good at it. Mm -hmm. And so, and when I came back to, when I came back to Austin and I went to go work at PC order, what I realized I went to work as a prop project manager in the, in, uh, in the office product um, arena. And I realized as a project manager, I did not, that was something that I was not good at. Mm -hmm. It was a lot about 
organize it was i mean there were th- some things about organization and basically organizing basic, teams, organizing and, timelines teams and, and timelines but what i did like yep. i liked i liked all the kind of more investment banking and transactional stuff i liked the strategy mm-hmm. i liked the i always I was asking okay rather than what do i need to do i was like ask i would always ask why do we do this yeah. Why, why do we do this? Not how and not, yeah. not, ha- not how and what as much, but why? Yeah. So I think at a high level, that's where, you know, I, I, I why said, do we do this? I said, I said at, on the board level, I'm not going to be a dot the I and cross the T guy. I'm going to be a, why are we doing this yeah. guy? And so, um, I'm, you know, at a high level, transactional finance, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Those are things I'm good at, but the other stuff I'm going, I think that, I think there are people on the board. There are two project managers on the board right now, uh, one at Apple and one at the LCRA. Mm-hmm. And so they you got plenty, you know what, guess what? That all, that, that, that makes a good team. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, why are we doing this? Uh, can great inside of a governmental organization, <laughs> right? Yes. Because they, you know, they're they're, they're quasi governmental organization, right. and they are their survival is contingent upon them continuing to do more things, right? And growing and having more influence and uh, uh, presence over order. And these types of things. So right. they're always trying to do more things. So that concept of why are we doing this is going to be important. I'm, I think. I'm going to be that. That's the one thing that I will bring to the board is that I will be asking why. And and again, you know, when I was looking at the strengths and we, I look at this as any business person, I think you look at the strengths and weaknesses and then uh, of the board itself, yeah. and then I and I got to look at my own strengths and weaknesses, and then look at the opportunities and threats that present themselves to the district. And I was like, oh SWAT my goodness, assessment. a yeah. SWOT assessment. This is actually presenting itself like uh, you know, it's it's lining itself up to where it's like everything's starting to point to me. And like I was looking around to find out, okay. Uh, who who else is going to do this? And, and and ultimately, I kept coming back to saying, this is pointing to me. <laughs> the clouds open. Yeah. A beam of yeah. light. Yes, a beam of light came in, And there was a... <laughs> and of course, your wife's foot in, in your back. <laughs> my wife's foot in my back after she had a few glasses of Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, you know, just a side question. Uh, a lot of signs are up yes. now. Um, congratulations on getting that done. Yours are kind of odd yes. because they're only black and white. Right. What's the deal with that? Okay. So, so you know, uh, red and blue have historically represented um, colors of the two different, the two political parties. And Republicans so and Republicans Democrats. and Democrats. And while yes, red and blue is all, are also the chaparral. colors for the chaparral. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is, it, uh, you know, that would seem to be the obvious colors. Well, again, just to highlight that, guess what? You're getting somebody that's a lot different. They're going to think a lot differently than everybody else. If you mm-hmm. and and I'm and that's not to say that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go argue with everybody. I'm not going to do that. I got to I got to figure out a way to go build consensus if I have an idea that I'm passionate about. Yeah. And how do I go do that? But the but the black and white is basically to stay away from any sort of uh, political uh, political gotcha. side, one way or another. Gotcha. Okay. School. Fair enough. School Creative. board should not be about politics. Creative. Agreed. Agreed. Um, 
um, looking to completely uh, avoid any anything political. Let's talk about DEI. <laughs> uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, super hot topic. I'll talk to all the candidates about this. And, um, you know, I've, I've had on previous episodes, I've had this discussion uh, with uh, Dr. Arnett, uh, Mrs. Calixtine, Means for Equity. And I, I do have a genuine curiosity to find out what this is. And mm. as a selfish parent, I'm interested in how is this going to make it better for my kids? I got two kids in the system. Uh, you know, is it going to make them earn more money when they get out? Are they going to get into college easier? Is it going to help them get better marks? Are they going to do their chores more often, shower more frequently? Like, what mm-hmm. is it going to do uh, for them? I'm curious, you know, what do you think it is? So it's very frustrating for me to figure out <laughs> what it is. I'm trying to learn, and I'm not saying that mockingly. I mean, right. I'm very interested in what it is. What do you think it is? And do you believe in your understanding of what it is that it's going to help your three children uh, as they move through the EAN system. Right. So I think the biggest problem is I've talked to executive directors and CEOs of a number of nonprofits who have incorporated DEI into their programs, and I've asked them what it is, and I've gotten different answers from all of them. Mm-hmm. And so once you start to get different answers on what it is, and it can't easily be defined, then it feels like it 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 is put in it, it feels like chaos. Mm-hmm. And so and and there is nothing mm-hmm. more unsettling than mm-hmm. chaos. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people cannot necessarily define it define it. Yes, diversity. I mean, I think everybody I, I like I would say as a business owner, as a business owner you want diversity. Um, you want diversity. You want to diversify your your holdings. You you need your a, customers. Yeah, your employees. You, yeah, your, your employees. Your, your you need a team everything. as a football team. So so going back to the Westlake football analogy, if if Cade Klubnick pay, played every single position on the field, guess what? I, I think he'd get sacked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you need to have some offensive linemen there. So yeah. so I mean I think I mean so that. I, so I understand feels, that, it just but feels chaotic. Yeah, but it feels chaotic. I the biggest thing that I think most people have a hard time defining is equity, and I don't, and I haven't heard anyone um, really come up with a great definition for equity. Even people who say they are part of an equity movement, what I would actually say, let's reimagine what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's put it in the terms that that everyone can understand, and this is. Why I would say if we focus, and this is what I think the Eans parents really want, is they want to feel like their kid at the end of the day is the only, it's the only kid in the classroom for that teacher. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like when a client, when, when, when you have a, when I have a client, they want to feel like they are yeah. the only client regardless. And if you ever say that I am too busy to talk right now, that means I'm too busy for you. Yeah. We don't want any child in our district to feel like our teachers, our administrators, or our parents are too busy for them. So I think at the highest level, if we actually say, let's focus on each individual kid, 
And let's bring out, I said it before, let's discover, nurture, and maximize the talents and passions of our kids. Then, then whatever DEI is, we have solved the problem. That, de- but that DEI we, uh, pretends to or suggests it, it will solve. Suggests that it will solve. So yeah. we have solved the problem because we are treating each individual kid that way. And it is, there is such a thing that if actually, if we can say that DEI is is a, a way for us, just like, just like we look, just when we establish relationships with people, we start by actually talking about our commonalities. Yeah. If we want to talk about the really tough issues that existed a long time ago, certainly some of it is historical and those those are in the books and we can talk about it. But if we want to talk about the really, really tough issues, you have to establish a relationship with that person or the other person. You cannot shove something down someone's, someone's throat. You have to... You have to organ like I, yeah, I there has to be it, engagement. It just and, has to be engagement. Yeah. And I I would say that, you know, it happened for me organically when I went to college. I mean, more than half of the players on the football team were African American and I had not hung out with many African Americans. Well, guess what? By the by by the time I was a senior, you know, I was the guy in the locker room. What's your nickname? Is the lame dog? Yeah, lame dog. Yeah, and there they was they gave that to they you. They gave me the they <laughs> get the they gave me the lame dog dance, and mm. you know this might not I don't know if this is accurate uh, okay for a podcast, <laughs> but you know a bunch of naked guys in the locker room running around dancing the lame dog dance, um, you know. So you you don't think that you needed DEI in high school <laughs> to prepare yourself for that? For that experience later on, I did not need DEI to prepare me for that experience. <laughs> yeah, nor did I. So yeah, I, yeah. I could say I did not need it. I, I what I found is like a, I found was a celebration that some of my African American brothers actually did things a little bit different than some of the some of um, my friends from the past. And yeah. and 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 guess what? We can celebrate those things. Yeah. Let's celebrate them. Let's actually let's actually engage in a positive discussion. Mm-hmm. That is, to me, that uplifts the whole community, and it makes it. Not only does it uplift the whole community from a from a race standpoint, we're talking about. We have a lot of kids at Westlake who 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 deal with depression. If you have something that do, that basically where you stay positive with people, you can you can hopefully mm-hmm. help those kids who are dealing with there are a lot of kids who deal with mm-hmm. that. So hopefully we can yeah. hopefully we can that can be solved either organically or through something that might come out to be really positive and uplifting to everybody. Yeah, it it uh, I do agree that um, it it. Uh, you know, ha- parents have not been brought into the conversation um, completely. It's probably a misstep from the past. Yep. And it does continue to push forward. Um, and, you know, I, as I talk to the different folks on DEIs, you know, it's about some of, some of it's about race. Some of it's about uh, giving teachers information on how to handle sensitive issues around a race or other, you know, uh, gender related things that are you know all a multitude of of stuff it seems like it's kind of everything and nothing at the same time it, to me it just seems like a very common sense uh a level of kindness 
and uh, respect for one another. That it doesn't actually have to be a thing. Right. Like you're just, it's just a value. And so because parents have been kind of uh, feel left out of the conversation, uh, they interpret that as the school is supporting values that I should be doing at home. Right. Where, where do you feel about parental rights uh, in general and where the school mm. is taking on parental rights? Or was one of my guests, uh, Jackie, on a previous podcast said – Parents are giving up their rights and allowing the schools to do it because maybe they're not great parents. Where do you where do you feel parental rights are? I think we got to I, I think parents parents are ultimately the primary educators of our kids. And so so long as, you know, if if you have one or two parents in the household, you know, the parents are the primary educators. The great thing that we have about uh, at Innings is. Uh, and that we don't have to worry about that. That so we have a public school system that is set up to almost be the 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 uh, backdrop in the event the parents fail the kids. Yeah. In Eans, that while we need to be considerate of that, it is a very very small portion of the population. Yeah. And on a, at a high level, the parents the parents are ultimately. The clients of the district. Yeah, they're the you customers. Know, they are the cus- The parents Absolutely are the, the, the parents customers. are the customers. You know, in the Herb Kelleher way of saying things, the Southwest, former Southwest yeah, CEO, CEO yeah. he he basically would say, you know, you got to focus uh, as as a as a leader or executive. You know, you focus first on your employees, yeah. and those are our teachers. Yeah. And so, as a as being part of the board, you know. Yes, we I need to focus. We need to focus on the teachers, um, but the client is the parent, and the shareholder is the student because the student, the student, as we know, their their brain is not gonna. They don't know their brain ain't gonna develop until they're out of college. I mean, most of the time, like like you think about our boys, their their brains, their brain. Sometimes I don't even know if my brain's fully developed right now. <laughs> but I mean, boys boys brains take a lot longer. They just don't. They just don't. They know. don't know. They don't um, have a, a sense of self to understand no. that they need these things. No, they don't. No, they don't. But we're we're. Forcing all this stuff, you know, what what gender are you? How do you feel? And you're five and eight and okay. Come on. Can yeah. we just get focused on yeah. school? Yes. I, yes. I, I uh, so I mean, the parents the parents are, are, are ultimately if the parents do not want the and, and that's why you gotta that's why again my signs take politics out, take out all it. politics yeah. out oh. of education. Yeah. Teach math. Reading, arithmetic, those things like the United States is already not. We're not even in the top twenty yeah. of, uh, of uh, uh, as far as education in the world. Yeah. And so let's go focus on the things yeah. that where we're getting beaten up by all of these other countries. Yeah. So that's that's how I look. Kind at of it. a finishing question on the DEI subject is about. Um, so we're here in this weird space of where DEI is, and you. The community is divided into a few different factions on it. Do you think it would be uh, wise for the district to kind of, I say, pump the brakes a little bit on it, go back and re-engage, listen to what's going on, get people clear on what it is, and then if we get quantifiable, yeah, we need this, uh, then we do it or we not do it? I mean, do you, Or do you think we should just improve it from where it's at and keep going down the road with it but find ways to incrementally improve it? 
Yeah, so I do think we I, – I think the district should pump the brakes. Number First of all, number one, um, and this goes go, – if we're going to have it, hmm. okay, uh, we need – we do not need to be paying what we're paying. Like this comes back into a budgetary thing. If yeah. if we are – if we are oh, – so uh, for the nonprofit CEOs that I've talked to, and some of them are on my Instagram page that have basically that have basically come out and and given given a character reference as well as how we've worked together and how I've changed their organization. If they've told me that we are paying way too much for a DEI consultant, He's, so um, by one hundred seventy thousand dollars a contract, yes, two years now so, we've done it or yeah. something like that. So we are paying we're we're paying probably at least four times. So that actually then. Brings me to the, okay, well, what else are we paying 4X for in yeah. our budget, okay? And so I'm not saying everything is is that way, but yeah. that's number one. Yeah. Number two is, yes, the community, you know, it, it may not it it may not be super exciting to basically go back and do a survey and say okay what does our community really need but you need to but but when you do something like, like they're the customer you need to go ask the customer what the customer wants and just because if fifty percent of the customers want it and fifty percent don't. We need to actually look. That that's well, that's, your that's pretty divided. That's, well, that's your question. Well, why are we doing this? Right. Why, why are, are we, we doing, doing this? this? Why? Well, why? Because you know, if you step on the gas when it's fifty-fifty, you're pissing off half of the the community. No. Yeah. Well, and, and guess what? This ain't. This isn't. This isn't politics. This is not Washington D.C. Yeah. This is our kids, our kids. again. Yeah. And so, for our community, that is where fifty percent want it and fifty percent don't want it, and yet we're paying for it. You know, there are certain things out there. If you want to pay for it for your child and have something special, then go form a yeah. club. Go like go form a club and go have a, a yeah. special club for it and then go fund it. But don't make don't make all of the taxpayers and the district go yeah. pay for it. Yeah. A nice little simple point on that. Well, let's go on to a topic even easier to discuss. Library books. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we laugh. It's, it's. Uh, uh, I was at a board meeting the other night. I think you were there, and that was tough. That was tough. And um, so, when we get in the library books, I I don't want to talk about what books are history, and you know, rewriting history. I don't want to get into that. I don't even want to get into. You know, books that are about homosexuals or gender dysphoria or anything. Let's leave that stuff to the side. Let's just talk about what we saw the other night and heard uh, at the board meeting, which is gratuitous, hardcore, vulgar, X-rated, you know, you couldn't get your kids into a movie at this age content in books that are in our schools. Some are in the high school, some are in the hill country, some are, uh, are in the middle school, excuse me, some are in the elementary. We had about 32 of 34 minutes of uh, parent feedback time, parents reading one minute at a time, excerpts from multiple different books. Um, it, it seems like such an easy thing to solve. It it really feels, it feels like a layup to me. It what really, is the deal? It really should be. And the fact that um, this has been going on for months now, and that we haven't been able to solve it. 
because theoretically of um, uh, procedural things that need to be done is is an absolute is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It is absolutely ridiculous. So I mean, this should be handled. Everyone a on book, the, a book does not have a right. <laughs> no, no. Everybody on the school board should. This should be a very. This should be a seven zero discussion decision that is basically if for nothing else for the school board to actually get on to bigger and better things that they actually should be doing however when you hear the things that are being thrown out and you think hear the things that our kids are listening to and i i, I was i personally was I, I was i was horrified and i'm can be about as self mark a person as there is. You know, I like watching wedding crashers and all that yeah. stuff. It made some. It made like those those movies. It made them look like they were rated G movies. Yeah, I mean, it is. It was. It was absolutely ridiculous. There's no. Just like there is no place for racism in our district. That's right. There is no place for pornography. Agreed. Period. End of story. It's. Uh, I remember back in the '80s when uh, Tipper Gore. I could be a little off on my historical recollection, but I recall Tipper Gore being part of getting music uh, categorized. And I think there was a Senate subcommittee hearing or a congressional hearing, and they said, "How do you know when it's when it's not decent, or how do you know when it's indecent?" And she says, "You know it when you see it." Yeah. And you know it when you hear it in these right. books. It's just so obvious. It. It. I would even offer this to the board if they wanted those disgusting books to stay in the to stay in the libraries that you put all of those books behind behind the librarian they're in a lock and key along and with it, the cigarettes uh, along yeah <laughs> along with the cigarettes and and if somebody wants to go check out a book and the parent has given approval that is the only way. But if that means, at least, if that is the first step in order to get them, get them, because I would say that this is a short-term crisis that needs to be handled swiftly, and we need to move. We need to move on with more important yeah. things. This is called leadership. Exactly. All right. Um, Let's talk about the budget a little bit. Yes, sir. Uh, the budget is extremely complex, and uh, I think we have a seventy-five or eighty million dollar budget. Um, it's obvious that we have a, a problem now. The the um, Dr. Arnett here reminded me that this year's budget is balanced, which is good. Yes. And um, the other night, I heard some of the board members bringing up that it is balanced, which is good. But having a balanced budget. Uh, doesn't mean, you know, the, the, the clouds have parted and the sun's come out and the birds chirping. We have issues. Right. From my simple uh, view of things, we know we the EEF donations for those 50 teachers are now have become almost an entitlement. Uh, uh, you know, we can't do business without it. It's right. not a nice to have. It's a need to have. Right. So that, to me, is a deficit. Uh, we should be funding that are on our own and it should be gravy if it comes in. So that has turned into a uh, must have. We know our teachers are underpaid. Mm -hmm. So that is an off balance sheet liability. I'm I'm guessing based on what I heard from uh, Dr. Arnett, probably in the four to $5 million range right there. So we're underpaying by four to $5 million a year. 
We get how many millions of year from EEF? We get about two and a half. Yeah, so we're so. we're in the six and a half to seven million dollars mm-hmm. just to, you know, kind of be solvent and and be paying our teachers at fair market. That is a big number, and when you look at that, next year and the following year and the following year, hit with inflation, right? And you know, and and the the compounding effect on how inflation has on that and all the other things we talked about earlier. Um, do you see it this way? Uh, do you see something else that you would like to bring up, and how are we going to fix it? What do you think? So I do see it this way, and I think that that, as you mentioned, that four to five million ultimately we're going to we're going to need to figure out um, how to make we're we're not going to be able to continue to go on with that four to five million dollar number, especially if we start to see because that's driving our attrition. Yeah, it's driving our attrition. We're going to see our comp because we're, we're I think we're going to see our competition start to pay up, start to pay up for teachers. Yeah. So, um, you know, we can sit here and hope that we can sit here and um, say, well, we hope that property values mm-hmm. uh, go up. Um, we can, I, I heard it said that we can, we can hope that, um, our, the, when the interest rate goes up, that we can actually get more investment income. Well, let me just say this, if the, if the interest rate goes up, we are, we, we could be there, there are unintended indirect consequences with interest rates going up and most likely property values might end up going down. Yeah. So we got to be real careful about some of the things that we wish for, yeah. um, because the, but you can't run, you can't can't run a budget on a wish. You you cannot, and so we and we have to. So we have to stop. And you know, I I think I I think, and I heard it at the board the other night. Um, I heard one of the board members say, you know, it makes me sick that we send a hundred and four million dollars out to the state. Yeah, I mean, the fact that that is actually taking up anyone's breath is. I mean, it, it it just doesn't need to be nothing said you can do about because it. there's nothing that yeah. can be done cry, about yeah, it. Cry me a river. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, listen, aren't we supposed to be there on the board to like to not actually sit here and actually state the obvious? Like we're here to go solve yeah, the problem. Yeah, we're not victims. So so we need to we need to think about how are we going to go make up that how are we going to go make up that gap? Yeah, the idea that EEF each year has two and a half, maybe three million dollars. That is God bless uh, them. Yeah, that I mean, they are they are doing God's work. They are out there, and they are the. But it but each year it is it is an anxiety that does not need to exist. Yeah. So there are things I think that yeah, we if can. They don't hit their number. No, we're they, losing teachers. That's what I'm saying. It's, you need it. If you they can't don't, pay the rent. You can't, it, you can't yeah. If they don't hit the number, then we're losing payroll. teachers. So we yeah. need to actually. So I think that there are some things that can be done. Like even so, I mentioned before with our facilities, even and 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 things with our facilities where we do not have to go back to the community mm-hmm. and actually ask for a ask for a bond oh, on yeah. something. Now, some cases we might ask for a bond, but there are ways to reduce the bond. And some of that is actually using our facilities to try to squeeze every amount of revenue that we have out of our facilities. Yeah. And I think there are, I think there's some low hanging fruit. Think about this for every hundred thousand dollars that that we are able to generate in income, it can reduce 
our ultimate debt ask of about 1.5 to somewhere around $2 million. Mm -hmm. So we can reduce the need to go ask for that much more debt and put that back onto the community. So mm. now the community might, yeah, they might have to go pay, pay a little bit more if they want to go play tennis at Eanes, but let, let yeah. the people who want to play tennis, you know, they, they can do that, but there's ways to like, I, I think that the existing pack has an opportunity to take in a church. So if there's a church out there that wants some temporary facilities Come in on Sunday and bring bring your flock in, and we're open for business. Bring the church in, your worship, and give us the opportunity to reduce our debt in the future. Because, but but Jay, that could be a violation of church and state (laughs) separation of church and state. I I joke, but you know that'll come. Well, I I know, but but again, it's creative. I will say that St. John Newman. When we started the St. St. John Newman uh, Parish, and I say we. I, I actually can say we. I was actually in. Uh, I was actually in fourth grade, mm. but the, we actually did it at uh, Cedar Creek and Valley View Elementary oh, okay. School. Well, I so stand, I stand corrected. So you know, <laughs> why um, why did you decide to run against Ellen Balthazar and not Heather Sheffield? So, I I really like Ellen. Mm-hmm. Like I really do. I I I met with her at Summer Moon. And I really, I, she's a wonderful lady. She really, she really is. And she's worked, she's worked for 21 years in our district. And she has, and that level of service, I can tell you this right now, I am not going to be on the board for 21 years. Um, I don't know if I'll, I don't think I'd be on the board for half that, but, but that is an accomplishment. And that is a level of service that you have to really appreciate. So, but the reason the reason that I ran against her um, is I would say number one I know that I'm going to behave myself because I like her. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean I really do, and I, I know I'll behave myself. I'm not there. There. There's. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say any. But I do believe this that that 21 years is 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 a is, is too long yeah and i think i think that there is and i think that what we see in um what we what we see in washington and all the divide that you see in washington mm-hmm. if we have i i've talked to republicans and democrats alike and every single one of them believes that term limits yeah. in washington would be the best thing for our country yeah. after a while you become inst- no. you become institutionalized yeah. and then and then you you, you it's just a diminishing return yeah, it's a diminishing yeah. return and yeah. I, I mean if if i were if i were some so uh, at, at a place that long i mean i might uh, I might have to consider what I'm doing. So yeah, yeah. anyway, some would uh, some would say in her defense that uh, being there that long is an asset, and I, she knows how to get stuff done, and uh, she can influence things that a, a new bird coming in might not, like yourself might not be able to do. Absolutely, um, uh, being there for 21 years can be an asset, and I would mm-hmm. and I and I would say that there is going to be knowledge that she has that. Not only do I not have, but the existing board members don't have. Yeah. I would say where I think that she could actually, where she could actually really do an absolutely fantastic job is if she would consider um, going to EEF or going 
yeah. or doing something or doing Staying something engaged, else where yeah. she's still engaged. Yeah. And again, because she does have she does have a great following. Oh, yeah. And I, for one, would be one to say, hey, listen, as a as as with the idea of that, we need to actually come together as a community. That's why I want to. My, my first thing is actually saying, hey, look, thank you so much, regardless of whether, whether I win or lose. Thank you, Ellen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but to say that say let's come together i'm talking to the entire community and i would want ellen to stay and to stay involved at at some level because she ha- she does have some she does have some knowledge but this this is an opportunity for you know when you think about entrepreneurship strategic and financial leadership and you know i i i some i i have somehow been able to take that on in the community of Austin as a, uh, you know, in the greater Austin area. I, you know, I, I, I think that I have a, a, the ability to actually bring those, bring people on both sides of the aisle, whether they, it exists or not, and it shouldn't, but yeah. bring them together and actually move forward with some commonality. Cause once we do that, once mm-hmm. we do that, then, then we can go get those stewards out there. Yeah. Who have who have the talent, who have the financial, who have the financial wherewithal, and they have the passion. They have the passion to basically help us, help us fund our teachers mm-hmm. and fund our facilities, so that we're not going back and asking for bond proceeds. And then yeah. ultimately, at the very pinnacle, our kids' talents and passions are recognized. Yeah. Well, this has been has been a um, a fantastic opportunity to sit with you, Jay, uh, for everyone to get to know you, understand why they should vote for you, or for the, some to not vote for you. Um, but speaking of talent, uh, why don't you sing us out with your uh, your your uh, campaign slogan? Right. <laughs> I've heard you do this a few times. Go <laughs> so, ahead. <laughs> okay, here here it goes. As we have used the and and talked about the um, the root of the word calm. That's the highlight in the foundational element of my campaign, which is come together right now and vote lay me. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Jay, thank you for being here. I appreciate it so much. Good luck to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by Ian's Kids First. Ensuring that Ian's prioritizes our children's well-being, honors parental rights, and unites our incredible community. To learn more about our mission or to donate to our cause, please visit us at eanskids.com. That's E-A-N-E-S kids.com. Kids.